welcome to Solutions from the Yard, a candid discussion about life behind bars and its effect on society. We'll discuss reintegration or re-entry back into the community post-incarceration. Your host for this episode is Donnell Felder. Welcome to Solutions from the Yard. My name is Donnell Felder, and the topic of discussion today is going to be on homelessness and mental illness which has become a, a very challenging uh, crisis, you know, to our society as, as, it, as it stands in today's world. And uh, it says, what is the prevalence of mental illness among people experiencing homelessness in the U.S.? And the little subject, little, little survey said that according to, two, to a 2015 assessment by the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, it said 5,640, 780 people were homeless on a given night in the United States at a minimum. It's at a minimum of 1,040, or 25% of these people were seriously mentally ill, and 2,500 or 45% had any mental illness. See, by comparison, a 2016 study found that 4.2% of U.S. adults have been diagnosed with a seriously mental illness. And then it goes on to say, what is the most common types of mental illness among people experiencing homelessness? And they go on to say that most of them come down with affective disorders such as depression, bipolar, uh, schizophrenia, anxiety disorder, and substance abuse disorder are among the most common types of mental illness in the homeless population. So therefore, you have to ask yourself, what would trigger an individual to, you know, get in a, a depressing stage or bipolar disorder or schizophrenic situations so far as, you know, mental illness and whatnot. And I did a little study and whatnot. They were saying some things that lead up to those those uh, 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 little situations in, in some people's lives with the mental, mental health, mental illness, illness situation is that they might be depressed from losing their job or getting put out of their, 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 their roof over their head, getting put out of the roof over their head, the place that they had to stay you know, and not having food to eat or anything like that, right? And they can get them into a deep funk, whereas though they might end up coming up with one of these illnesses that, that the, the survey was speaking upon. And and I was wondering, you know, Mr. Trent, have you ever uh, experienced with any, any, any individuals that went through these crises that I'm speaking on, the homelessness and the mental illness? I've run across these individuals every day in my line of work. But one of the things that I wanted to, to um, touch on is, which my, which in my opinion, I, that I think that cause a lot of these mental illness and trauma within our youth and our families is poverty, right? And when you born in, in Burrius, born with Burrius already on you before you even know it exists. That's that's generational trauma. So that come a lot of the trauma and the mental illness comes from generational family trauma and being brought up in the same type of po- poverty that so many of us has faced it before. So. <clears throat> Me personally, these, 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 speaking of these, when the youth now today have to face 
poverty in in a world that's so visual, right? Everything is bling bling and visually, and everything is look nice to the eye. Can you imagine the burden of not really having, you know, growing up amongst your peers in the neighborhood and you not having what or not having access to the same things that the peer your peers have? Access that's a that right there is a mental which can develop a mental illness on you, a barrier of not having, you know, you start doubting yourself. You start thinking you're not worth it or you're not, you're not worthy of this or this and that. That's, that's a, you putting labels on yourself and thinking that that's, that's a form of mental illness. I just don't really believe in, uh, laboring someone a mental, mental saying they have a mental illness unless they, uh, medically or clinically, uh, been diagnosed as uh, mentally disabled, but I think a lot of it just come from just gener- generational trauma of prov- poverty growing up in uh, under un- underserved communities. Right. Okay, <clears throat> thank you. I uh, appreciate it. Yeah, uh, that goes and goes side with what what, what what they say here, right? They say how uh, homelessness and mental illness connected. Right, and they go on to say they say most researchers agree that the connection between homelessness and mental illness is a comp- is complicated, a two way relationship. An individual mental illness may lead to cognitive cognitive and behavioral problems that make it difficult to earn a stable income or to carry out daily activities in ways that encourage stable housing. They say several studies have shown, however, that individuals with mental illness often find themselves homelessness homeless primarily as the result of a poverty of a lack of low-income housing. And that's the same thing Mr. Trent was basically speaking on it when I, you know, which is the truth, for real. And uh, because, I, you know, once, once when I was coming up, and uh, we wasn't all that fortunate when I living in war, they, you know what I'm saying? And uh, it's too loud. And, uh, and uh, I remember the times that, you know, my mother, she really couldn't get us all the fine things that we wanted to do, to do the, the, the material that we needed to go to school with so we could be presentable so we can be presentable, you know, like we wanted to be, like the, like the other kids. We wanted to be real jazzy and look real nice and whatnot. But we went on and settled for what we, we what we could what we could afford and what my mother provided us with, you know. So I never really got in a funk like that and was find myself in the depression on, on those terms and whatnot. So we had a stable house home coming up and whatnot. But you know, some people didn't, you know. But I really didn't recognize and realize that it was a problem in the neighborhood when I was growing up. Because I, you know, you only had a few people in your neighborhood that was semi, you know, had, you know, illnesses such as, you know, the bipolar and schizophrenia. It wasn't a, a multitude of them. So if you weren't on top of it, you really wouldn't be, be, be uh, familiar with it. But as it stands now for me, I, uh, I'm a residential aide. And, and what I do is uh, I work with homeless, homeless kids, 18 to 21 years old, 18 to 24 years old, and mental illness. They have mental, mental illness and whatnot. And then... It's been a humbling experience for me. Like I said, I never really experienced it coming up within my lifetime. But being in the job sitting that I'm in now, you know, I've taken on, you know, the opportunity to, to, to seek and uh, learn, you know, the certain certain elements that would leave for the young kids to get in the situation that they are in. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, Mr. Dickinson, how do you feel about the situation with dealing with homelessness and mental illness? In our society today, uh, well, my my perspective or viewpoint on it is, uh, you know, how you deal with it is is 
not the uh what I want to say the solution of you know the people that are so-called financing the aid to help the homeless because without uh homeless people you wouldn't have a job so therefore you know their way of going about it is to me or from what I see is not the total solution and you can you can you can take a, a, a homeless person and put them in a shelter. But if you're not diagnosing like Dietrich said and, and understanding his mindset to put him into being in a homeless state, you know, you just got to still get, you got to continue his problem. And you always have a person that's going to be stuck in the shelter because they can't live on their own. They can't provide for themselves because they're not mentally stable to get a job. Mm. You know, so you're going to have a, a, a perpetual situation and a perpetual problem. Now, in order for you to tackle homelessness, like it, like you said in the report, homelessness and mental health go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. Because a person that's in their right state of mind ain't going to be living out in the street going through those harsh conditions. So, therefore, the mental state that that person and the trauma that that person, the, uh, you know, experienced as a child... And growing up as, you know, a young adult, that's what led to the homelessness. So therefore, you know, in order for us to tackle that question and to understand anything about homelessness, we have to go all the way to the root of the source. We'll put this person in the stagnated state that they can't take care of themselves. That's the whole source of the problem, because any man and any woman was put in them the will to survive. And when something take you out of that wheel to survive, that is a strong mental disability that you have because everybody has that God-given instinct to survive. Animals, everything. Trees, everything. If a tree is not getting the right proper sunlight, it will bend until they get to the sunlight. You know, plants have been known to bend so it can get into the sunlight so it won't be in the shade because it know if it stays in the shade, it's going to die. <clears throat> so everything has that wheel. We have to find out what broke that wheel. And once we can find out what broke that wheel, then we can start coming up with solutions and remedies for that situation. Yeah, well said. Uh, I was reflecting on the simple fact that well, what you were speaking upon, right, goes back to me dealing with the kids that I deal with on a, on a daily basis, the kids that I deal with on a daily basis, right? And like you're saying, they goes into a funk, right? Mm-hmm. And some days they, they all right, right? But I, I be trying to figure out what leads to that funk. You know, they be telling me, they be want to explain to them about how growing up in their, their household, things that happen that triggers, you know, you know their, their whatever disorder that they have, you know, mentally, you know, the, the illness that they have and whatnot, right? And a lot of them bring their parents and whatnot, you know. And then we had a standstill, like I'm a residential aide. They'll come and try to confide in us, but we're not really obligated to say anything to them in reference to that. We can talk to them, but so far as with the case management and stuff like that and how to get the benefit, we got to leave that up to the case manager, the case manager and whatnot, right? But they be trying to lean on us, you know, because we, 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 we deal with them every day. The case manager does not. Mm-hmm. You know, we try to, you know, we, we can talk to them and confide them a little bit, trying to, you know, give them a good understanding on, on, on right things to do or try to send them to a little programs and stuff, you know, computer classes and, you know, but a lot of them don't really want to go because the program is there for them to help them get up on their feet. But a lot of them don't take the initiative to really go out and, and seek, 
you know, necessary, you know, avenues that they need to get themselves together and whatnot. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, Mr. Mr. Uh, Charles, how, how you feel about this homelessness and this mental illness that we are talking about today in our society? And I'd like to uh, resonate the points that was previously made uh, when you look at the, the impoverished, that's Dietrich set it up, when you're in, living in an impoverished environment, when you're living in squalor, when you're living in situations hopeless, when everywhere you look around you is abandonment, when everywhere you look you got everybody in your family got children by five different fathers. We look at these things, it don't inspire no hope and no aspiration. So if I don't feel no sense of hope and aspiration, oh, and by the way, and then here come the welfare man telling me that I don't have to do nothing. All I got to do is just sit on my butt and get a check. So I'm not inspired to be nothing other than a welfare recipient. And, you know, you reflected on, like, growing up in the environment and how in that environment some families had things. But the reality was that if you living in squalor, you don't have nothing. You know, you maybe have a little bit more than the next person, but in terms of being able to self-actualize, that means being able to say, like, take your your value. You're smart, but you've been told that you can't go to this school because it's segregated. You know, you're talented, but you're told that you can't go to this school because it's segregated. Or you got, or you, your father and your family have the ability to move out of a neighborhood, but you're, they're told that, no, we're not selling uh, this property to... Uh, people of color. So when you be beat down like that so much, it, it creates that psychosis and traumatized. So now I'm trauma. So I'm traumatized. So now what I do, I become a predator. I pray on my community. So when I pray on my community, because I'm trying to get some value out of my life, and the way I get value out of my life is by emulating what I see that has value. What I see that has value is this establishment. So now when I get some money, I go buy a car. I got a $300,000 car in the projects. It ain't got nothing to do with where I live at. It got something to do with me having to stand. So in terms of like homelessness and mental illness, this is by design. And I think Mike hit it on it. You know, when you say, when he say like, we got to look at what caused it. And what caused it is what Deidre said earlier. But the poverty that caused it is manufactured poverty. It's, they manufactured this us, put us in a situation. This ain't by like, I woke up and say, I want to be poor. I ain't wake up. I got just as much right as the next person. And we see this, and I'm going to give it back to you. And we see this whenever we was given opportunity on a level playing field, we made the playing field unlevel because we dominated it. And that was the whole thing. The playing field is level. And then we come in and say, Dad, we got to change the rules because then you got somebody that can fly in the air, call them Air Jordan. Or you got somebody that hit the baseball all the way out the park. Hank Earn. Or you got somebody that can run circles around you. Or you got somebody that can play golf that you didn't give a chance. So, yeah, the way I feel about it is it's, it's by design, Donnell. Mm-hmm. And I'm thankful that you that you took up this subject matter. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, this is my field that I work in, so it, it was imperative that I speak on it a little bit. You know, So it, it's another survey that says, it says, how does homelessness mental illness within families and it says one of the biggest impacts of homelessness on mental illness comes to its effect on the mothers of families it said for instance mothers who experience mothers who experience depressions during the first year at the birth are high at high risk for homelessness or factors leading to homelessness such as evictions or frequent moves in the two or three years after the post year 
They say one of the largest studies of children in homelessness, 17,000 children in Denmark, found a higher incidence of psychiatric disorder, including substance abuse, among adolescents with a mother or both parents with a history of homelessness. And it went on to say that what kind of inventions help people with mental illness experiencing homelessness? And it says programs that provide long-term, a year or longer, stable housing for people with mental illness can help to improve mental health outcomes, including reducing the number of visits to inpatient psychiatric hospitals. A 2015 study concluded that, service, that services that deliver cognitive and social skill training, particularly in developing and maintaining relationships, would be useful in helping people with mental illness and homelessness regaining housing. And that's what my program consists of, to get the necessary programs to the, to the youth that's, that's mentally ill and homelessness to try to get them to get out the little disorder that they have. A little bit, you know what I'm saying? To get them to try to get back on the right track, man, and try to get their, get their life back in order like, a, like the average and the regular, regular human being. You know what I'm saying? You know, because you can't keep dwelling on what led up to your homelessness and whatnot. You know, if you do, you're going you to stay in that funk for the rest of your life. And that's, what, that's the funk that you might want to be in. You know what I'm saying? You know, I don't know what caused them to, 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 to get into such a situation, but, you know, me as an individual, anytime I try to find, get myself in a situation, I try to find a way to seek to, to get out of it without causing anybody else harm and, and try to keep myself on, on, on the right path, you know what I'm saying? And try not to flick out and overreact in a situation, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And just think that it's, it's going to get better somewhere in there, you know? And uh, I just want to say I, I appreciate you all stopping by for the solution from the yards today. And I appreciate the topic of discussion that we had, and I think it was well spoken on. Voices for a Second Chance is a comprehensive reentry program that provides culturally appropriate, trauma-informed, gender-specific, and peer-based services. Voices for a Second Chance bridges the gap from incarceration to community for tens of thousands of men and women in the District of Columbia. Our goal is for our clients to achieve a state of well-being and care as they transition from incarceration to community. You can help us continue our mission. For more information or to provide financial support, go to info at vscdc.org or visit www.vscdc.org. You've been listening to Solutions from the Yard. This podcast is presented by Voices for a Second Chance, a comprehensive reentry program that provides culturally appropriate trauma-informed, gender-specific, and peer-based services. For more information, go to info at vscdc.org or visit our website at www.vscdc.org.